bed, fill your cup and get ahead with WKGN. One, three, four, oh! Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves. Good morning to you, Knoxville, as we kick off this Tuesday inside the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, the Fan Run Radio Morning Show. I'm John Reed. Bob Baskerville to my left. Sam Beard straight ahead. Day two, a rainy Tuesday post-national championship hangover. Hope your day is off to a good start. Bob, how are you, my friend? I'm good outside of that rain, um, but we're indoors, so that's all good. But, yeah, doing all right, man. We were not indoors at the beginning of the day, though. That that was the issue. Absolutely. That was the issue, walking outside and being like, oh, man, that's a pretty long walk to the car, and I haven't put any actual shoes on. I'm just wearing some slides. This was a bad decision. Now my feet are wet, but it's too late to turn back. It's too late to turn back. I got to say, day one, woke up with some nice energy. Day two, and then getting ready and coming out in the rain. I, I don't know. Sam, have you ever seen the movie The Graduate? No, I haven't. Bob, I assume you've seen The Graduate? or are you? I know you're a TV guy. Are you a movie guy? Yeah, I'm a movie guy, and I, I, I have seen The Graduate. I've forgotten a lot of it, but yeah. Well, it's uh, it's about, say, a younger man, and he's he's got a woman, but he also like has a rendezvous with her mother, and there's a whole weird thing going there, and you're like, huh. Dustin Hoffman, I don't know if I'm, he's supposed to be attractive in this movie. I don't know if he actually is, but he is having sex with this older woman, so I guess he's got that going for him, but then he's trying to date her mom, and she ends up telling the daughter, spoiler alert, but that's not the point. The point is, she's she's trying to get married to this other guy. They're trying to force her off on this other guy. Again, spoiler alert, but the movie came out like 40 years ago. But Dustin Hoffman breaks in at the end, and he stops the wedding, and they run off together, and there's this iconic scene, Sam, you might have seen it before, where like they're sitting and she's wearing a dress and he's wearing like a suit and they're in a they're getting on like a bus and they're smiling and then all of a sudden they stop and they're like, now what? So like okay, their their face just kind of hones in of like we've made a mistake like what have we done to our lives? <laughs> That's how I felt this morning at about six fifteen a.m. I was like, now what? The first days in the books, Rick Barnes, that was great. Now what? Now what? That was a. That was a good preamble there for, Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I had time to think about it as I was sitting in my car. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's, maybe it's the rain. The rain, the rain's getting us down here. It's. Uh, as I, Bob was pulling right behind me to open the gate and I had to get out and yeah. out in the mud to open the uh, the gate as he got to sit in his yeah. car all nice yeah. and warm. Go on, go on. Yeah. Get it, get it. You going to get it open? I gave him a nice little wave as I got out of the car. Like, yeah, yeah, I got it. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's. Uh, It'll be all right. I'm telling you, it's just it's it's the rain. If if it was dry out, we would have felt better. I skipped breakfast day two as a decision. I'm going to test it out. Yesterday I had breakfast. It's like, okay, not bad. Felt pretty good. Wasn't too hungry afterwards. But I'm not really a breakfast guy, and I don't need to get those extra calories in the new year. So did not get breakfast today. So if I start getting a little angry in hour three, just know that that's probably what's happening. Sam, I'm glad to see you showed up for day two. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd be lying if I said the uh, if the wake up was you know the same as yesterday, but I'm still feeling all right. I, I think it is the rain. I think Bob's right. You know, I, I kind of just woke up and rolled over in my bed and heard the heard the rain kind of hitting the hitting the gutters by outside of my window, and I was like, man, it'd be nice to just still stay in bed and and get cozy for another couple hours. But you know, you got to get up. That that five forty alarm just got me. You know, it got me kind of going. Uh, yeah, I skipped breakfast, too, this morning. I'm kind of testing that one out, too. See, I was playing with house money, too. I, I have to tell you, the one bright spot for me this morning was my dog did not want to go out. Mm, uh, that's because, huge on a rainy day. Oh, my God, man, because she – that's one of the big adjustments. You know, when I get up, usually she's she's she expects a walk with me, and it's usually more like 7 o'clock. Um, but – Thankfully, because I think it was dark, I think that's why. But I mean, sometimes the rain doesn't phase her, and it would have been brutal if I had to take her out to just even quickly do her business. Would have been bad. But few things make me feel as bad of a human as me being mad at my dog. Yeah, having to go outside when yeah. it's raining. I'm like, I understand you have to do this because if you use the bathroom inside of the house, I'm going to be mad at you now too. So I understand you need some fresh air. You need some. You know, touch grass. Yeah, we always say that to, to humans that are too online. But sometimes the dog needs to go outside and touch grass too. And I feel bad that I'm sitting there like, please hurry and let's just go know, back right? inside. And usually, usually Frank is willing to oblige that because he doesn't like getting wet either. But then every now and then he'll just want to go and walk and sit in the mud, and it's just the whole thing. It's yeah. bad if you've got a dog that enjoys getting wet. Yeah. 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 If you've got a dog that just likes kind of playing in the puddles and getting in the mud, then you're screwed. Well, I'm sorry for. Ruining the graduate for you in case you ever intended on going back to watch that movie. I'm sorry for the spoiler. I am sorry that I've ruined your life, Sam, and making you get up <laughs> at uh, 530. But glad you're here. Glad day two is here. Not glad that we got, I don't want to say a dud of a national championship game, but it was just kind of unfulfilling. I felt very unfulfilled. I felt so unsatisfied watching that game. Yeah, it was a bit of a letdown. Um I mean, Michigan came out guns blazing, man. That was uh, that was that was impressive, I have to say. And I thought we were going to have a game by halftime, but um, that early pick in the third quarter that that kind of dampered everything. Well, I was going to say we did have a game at halftime because you know I thought Harbaugh made a aggressive decision to go for that fourth down, like you know around I think it was like when Washington's like thirty-seven, thirty-eight, too far for a field goal in college, but. I thought it was aggressive in a game that you're up 17 to three that you're kind of dominating and he, they went for it. They didn't get it. And then all of a sudden Washington is inside your 10 yard line. And then Washington was just running the ball, running the clock. Cause they didn't want Michigan to get the, get it back. And then they run the ball three times and all of a sudden it's fourth and goal. And you're like, okay, well here's the game. But then Washington converts and scores a touchdown and then gets to halftime only down seven. And it felt if you believe in that old mythical momentum, it felt like, hey, Washington has snatched this back because, like you said, Bob, the guns were blazing. The guns were blazing for them early, and Washington kind of survived, right? Like, at one point, it looked like it was going to be a replay of Georgia TCU, but then all of a sudden, you look, and Washington has you know, held them to a field goal. It's only a two-touchdown game with the prospect of getting the ball back at halftime, and it felt like, okay... Washington's in this. They get the ball back at half, and then, yeah, the very first pass of the second half, Phoenix, who I thought had a chance to make himself a lot of money. I think, ultimately, he 
lit some money on fire. I thought that was a really, really, really disappointing performance from him last night. I agree. I think, uh, you know, I, I think back to when we were all in here uh, less than 24 hours ago. We were uh, pro-Michigan, or not pro-Michigan, pro-Washington, rather, and uh, pretty uh, pretty committed in our position on that. I mean, I felt like, yeah, this, you know, I think I even said it, Michigan's defense, yeah, it looks good. I, I think it'll still get exposed. I was wrong, man. I mean, they totally shut down any run that Washington had, and then, yeah, and then that left Penix to just, you know, he had to win it for him, and he, he couldn't deliver yes, last night. So that was uh, – it was a hard one to watch. I uh, did not expect it to be like that. I really didn't. I mean, I wasn't surprised necessarily that Michigan won, but I figured it was going to be a more competitive game than that. Sam, did you feel the same that uh, Michigan's defense kind of exposed Washington? Because when I was watching, it felt more just like the moment was too big for Phoenix. Like, it just felt like he missed a couple open passes that, you know, he had hit all year. And the offensive line did get exposed. You know, that whole – they got the trophy for the best offensive line unit in the country. It felt like Michigan took that to heart and kind of made a statement on that. And just there's a couple moments where the right tackle just looked like he wasn't even playing the same game. Like he was so slow out of his break and just holding. And it was a big holding call at the beginning of the fourth quarter that kind of ended the game. Did you feel like Washington just couldn't handle Michigan's defense or that Washington just couldn't handle the moment or yeah, a little bit of both? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit of both. But honestly, I think it was kind of – more Washington not being able to handle that moment. I think that it was a, you know, I thought it was a Washington team that was given chances by Michigan's defense, you know, pretty consistently all night long. And I thought that, yeah, I mean, I thought that Phoenix and that and that offense were just not clicking and not on the same page and, and just definitely were not operating at the same level that they were during that Texas game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like you saw Michael Penix get sped up. Um, I, I think you saw some of his you know, some of his throws that were kind of lasers and on target in that Texas game were, were kind of high lollipop overthrows uh, against Michigan. And, you know, I mean, credit to Washington's defense, too. I think that they let, you know, I, I think that they allowed Washington's offense to stay in the game for a long time during that game and gave them a lot of chances to be able to get in that game. But, yeah, I mean, Bob mentioned it kind of at the start of the second half there with that interception. I think if if Washington – scores a touchdown coming in uh coming out of the first half and then scores one coming into the second. I think if you double up there, this game becomes a whole lot more interesting. Yeah, that was a good point by you on Washington's defense just because the first quarter could not have gone worse for them. You know, right. they give up just long run right. after long run and it's not even to Corum, it's to the I guess the change of pace back who mm -hmm. was two touches, two long touchdowns. You're like, oh wow. The first one was especially heartbreaking when it was second and 14. You're like, okay, you might get a stop. Instead, he doesn't even get touched and just runs for a 35-yard touchdown. But, yeah, even out of the half, Washington's defense held him to a field goal. And you're like, okay, if Washington go down and score a touchdown, like they could, they could put pressure on Michigan. And this Michigan offense isn't doing much, but they just never could. And credit to Harbaugh, who I think kind of went back to the San Francisco 49ers offense in the second half and was like, hey, what did I do with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick? Oh, yeah, I let these guys run around. And then all of a sudden it was J.J. McCarthy with a scramble and then a couple design runs that got Michigan moving again for them to ultimately end the game. And then, yeah, Washington throws an interception at the end and it looks worse than it is. But I thought the moment was too big for Phoenix. I thought that he had a chance to play his way into, like, the top 15 of a draft. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine watching that performance last night and then also considering that he is – 
a six-year senior. He's 24 years old out there, and he can't handle a Michigan defense, so how's he supposed to handle an NFL defense? I, I think he kind of hurt himself a lot last night, and the throws he was making against Texas and the poise he was showing inside the pocket was nowhere to be found last night. There was a couple overthrows where he's trying to move up in the pocket, just missing wide-open receivers. I was really disappointed with his performance. Really, really disappointed. For me, this growing up in the Midwest, this just took me back. Not in a good way either. I mean, I, I grew up watching nothing but Ohio State and Michigan just dominate uh-huh. in Big Ten play, and it and it's and it, it felt a lot like the same kind of Big Ten football I grew up seeing. I mean, they just, this is what works for Michigan. You know, they just grind it out. Then McCarthy becomes the game manager and does some of the things that you just mentioned to just continue to uh, extend the lead and uh, it it was it's a hard one for me I you know I Michigan clearly deserved to win the game they were you know the question that I kept thinking about was if somehow if you know a lot of what ifs but if Alabama did not beat Georgia if this was Georgia and Michigan how do we think that game would have played out oh yeah yeah I couldn't help but think about Georgia but first of all when you said it took you back to the the Midwest I was thinking oh yeah Michael Penix did look like an Indiana quarterback that that's well, why he ended up at <laughs> Indiana yeah JG actually was better than him shout out to Garantano but yeah no uh the the saddest people in the country maybe Ohio State fans but uh, Georgia fans can't be too far behind them because I do think that was a lot of people's takeaway was like, yeah, yeah, Georgia probably one of the four best teams and probably the best team, and they probably would have beaten that Michigan team. Like, I don't know if we come out of that thinking that Michigan is the best team in the country, but Michigan is the story of the day. Sam sent us to our first time out. We'll come back. We'll talk about – Michigan, we'll talk about Georgia, we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh, asterisks, all of those things. I'll try to learn how to say the word asterisks. It always kicks my butt. Stick with us. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. I can feel the disdain on Bob's voice during the break as he's just sitting there and says, Ugh, I hate Michigan. <laughs> I, I do, man. I, you know, I, I got friends who have Michigan ties, so happy for them. It's a good time to be a fan of sports in Michigan. You got the Lions in the playoffs and got Michigan winning the natty. And Well, I do think that there are some basketball fans in Michigan who probably yeah. don't really care about football, and they're like, man – the Pistons suck. Jawan Howard sucks. Like he, he's letting Phil Martelli coach a game in the middle right. of a con- uh, conference play just because it's in Philadelphia. What the hell are we doing? Like, why is he doing this? Is he going to get fired? And I do, I do think it's funny to think about the the sports fans in Michigan who either a just love Michigan State and don't like the Lions. Yeah, <laughs> they're like Browns fans, but I guess the Browns are good too. Or just like just don't care about football at all and just love basketball and they're in hell. But yeah. Football Michigan fans, very, very happy between the Wolverines, obviously, last night and the Detroit Lions getting set to host a playoff game for the first time in decades. This has got to mean that the Rams are going to beat the Lions, right? Yeah, Matthew Stafford's going to twist the knife. Yeah. That, that is yeah. what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. for sure. Jared Goff is going to look like Jared Goff from like 2020, 2019, and Matthew Stafford is going to go in there and win. 
little random note about the Lions, so you just made me think about it. Um, did you see their 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 uniform scheme from this last weekend? That that helmet they've worn it a couple times. It's kind of a light blue mm-hmm. with the uh, with the the secondary logo on it. I mean, that thing was fire. That's a that's a good looking. It's a good looking helmet. Not that I'm a Lions fan or anything, but uh, I could get behind that. That's funny you say that because when I saw, it, I was like, "This is so ugly." Really? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, Bob. I guess uh, we all have different tastes. I kind of like it. Okay, well, yeah. I, maybe I'm not uniform guy. I'm not really uniform. I'm kind. Guy, I'm so. kind of into that stuff. So, yeah, what's your opinion on the Colts one, the the alternate Colts uniform? I liked it actually. Okay. See that one, I am not a fan of at all. Well, you know what I didn't like? They, didn't they have the? Did they have a black helmet? Yeah, that's that what I'm I didn't like. About. Okay, but, yeah. but the blue uniform didn't bother me. Yeah, yeah, the black helmet doesn't do it for me. Yeah, for as much as I hate Michigan, and for. You know, just the Big Ten snobbiness that I had to deal with when I lived in Ohio for like three, for like five months. I got a lifetime full of snobbiness. Just I could feel the Big Ten coming out of Bob more and more each moment that we're seeing together. For as much as I do have a disdain for the Big Ten and Purdue, by the way, Carson Edwards did not get fouled. I do love Michigan's uniforms, and it was there was a, a little bit of part of me that was like, ah, you know, a traditional power. It's cool that they can get back and win a title. And Michigan, Jim Harbaugh does kind of deserve this, or it is it is kind of nice. But then on the other, uh, on the other hand, I was like, man, they cheated. How how are they champions whenever they got caught cheating? They got caught stealing signs just you know a couple months ago. Like this is something that just happened. How do they get to finish the season, dominate the Big Ten? And then go on and win a national championship. How how did that happen? Did you see the any of the post game press stuff? No, I, I turned I turned the channel immediately after the Phoenix interception. Same, yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't I didn't see it live. I watched it this morning. But I mean, I think that uh, you know Harbaugh was careful with his words, but he made a statement immediately because they were talking with the players. He was at the table with them, and they were you know saying this season had a lot of. Had a lot of turmoil, you know, and uh, he goes, let me, you know, he, he goes, let me speak for the players and talk about this. And I'm close to quoting him, but he, you know, he's, he basically said outside the lines, you know, whatever happened outside the lines, we're innocent. He kept saying, we're innocent. These guys are innocent, which may be true. If you think about it, you really dig deep, but that doesn't mean that he was saying that it's not true that any of that happened, you know? Was he tiptoeing and saying that we're innocent, as in I didn't do it, these players didn't do it? Was that, like, what he was trying to get across? Because there was a part of me, it's like, okay, like, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, I don't know how much they knew about the sign stealing, and, like, those were guys, and if you are a Tennessee fan listening to this, like, they kind of lived out of dream of a breaking a national championship drought. You know, they they got their ass kicked by their biggest rival for a long time, and then they also had some guys who came in a class that came in and kind of went through the the mud together, went through the turmoil together, and broke through. It wasn't like they were predominantly built by transfer portal or anything like that. It was kind of like, hey, these guys, can't, you know, took their lumps. They they got embarrassed last year. Not, you know, that dissimilar from what happened to, you know, Virginia basketball and they lost to a 16 seed or, or, or you know, maybe Purdue this year and they, after they lost to a 16 seed and they get to come back and maybe be the best team in college basketball. But, like, what TCU did to them last year obviously wasn't as big of an upset as a 16 over one. I'm not saying that. 
but it was kind of humbling for them, right? Like, they, they oh, kind of yeah. got their ass kicked by a team that they were supposed to physically dominate. And it did seem, at least in the first quarter, that Michigan was thinking about that. It was like, hey, we've been waiting 365 days to come out and make this statement. And and they made the statement and kind of won the game in the first quarter. They did. They did. And, um, yeah, back to your original question. I, th- I think, again, I think Har- Harbaugh was wording things carefully, basically saying, hey, you know, the guys at this table, we had nothing to do with that, you know. And, uh, again, we'll never know. We'll never know. But uh, um, he's been – He's been fascinating to watch anyway from the standpoint of what he what he says or more importantly what he doesn't say you know I mean he's been he's the king of post game interviews he says a couple words and says yeah here talk to this guy so he can get out of there and not get hit with any more questions my and, lawyer's not allowing me to speak right yeah, now yeah exactly and it's not just questions about that you know it's obviously probably you know it's I think he's got a he's got to feel all these questions about his future now more than ever. Um, that's all I could think about last night was like, man, to me, he's my my opinion is he's so gone after this. He he's, you know, accomplished the mission, brought the brought Michigan back to prominence, won a national title. He's got a lot of stink, whether he likes it or not, swirling around the program. And it's like, why would you want to keep doing that? Well, you proved your points. You won a national title. You delivered. You are forever stamped in Ann Arbor. Like you, you lived out the fantasy, like I said, of a prodigal son returning home, like Peyton Manning, essentially coming back to Tennessee and winning a national championship. Now, obviously, I know Harbaugh coaches and and Peyton doesn't, but Harbaugh was a a Michigan man coming home to get his alma mater back on top, and he accomplished that goal. Like it wasn't great. It wasn't great, and like you know, maybe rock bottom was them running away from Ohio State in the COVID year and canceling that game because they didn't want to take the the beating that was coming their way. And they're like, ah, the season's over. We're not playing. We gotta think about these kids' health. No, we're good. We're taking our ball. We're going home. And at that point, you're like, man, is is, is Harbaugh gonna get fired? And Michigan reworks his contract, and you know, like they're they're taking some buyout money away. And like he's like, okay, I'll give you some concessions here. And then the sign stealing maybe happens, and they become a a death machine. They get embarrassed by TCU last year, but this year they get redemption. Harbaugh proves his points. He shows that he is an elite coach. They have it rolling. But if you're him, mission accomplished means you go back to the NFL and try to accomplish that mission because he can say whatever he wants. A national championship's nice. I think he wants a Super Bowl. He probably sees his brother on the doorstep of a Super Bowl, who, of course, beat him for a Super Bowl back, you know, a decade ago. And he probably wants to accomplish that goal as well. And then you combine that with the college football, a scandal that he is in, you know, entrapped in right now. Not even the sign selling stuff. He had the, you know, the burger stuff and the right. his assistant coaches having the stuff on their computer and getting in trouble. They're like, Michigan's been in trouble basically for 18 months straight. And you combine that with the recruiting calendar and just the transfer portal and working year-round to keep your roster intact. And I don't see what the appeal of staying in the uh, staying in college football would be for Jim Harbaugh at this point. Sam, if you're him, you're dipping, you're going, or you're staying and just coming, becoming the new Nick Saban. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I would probably be moving out of the Michigan facility this morning if I was Jim Harbaugh. I think you you kind of laid it out there perfectly. I just think that. With all that it takes to, to coach a college football team these days in the era of NIL and the transfer portal and all of that, I just think that there's there's a whole lot more 
you know, just kind of stuff that gives him a headache. I feel like now nowadays that you know that, that is a part of the the you know the a part of the job, I guess, in, in college football. And I just think that he's obviously proven the type of coach that he is at, at both levels of the game. And I think it'll be, you know, I, I think he'll have multiple NFL teams kind of coming after him and and wanting to to have him take over there and and be able to lead their team. So I think that Jim Harbaugh is all but to the NFL already. And I think that, you know, getting a, getting a national title was kind of just that last little notch in his armor. I think for him to kind of just be able to feel like he's accomplished what he's needed to accomplish at Michigan and can, can feel good going back to the NFL. Well, Bob, the question is if you're the NFL, do you actually hire him? Because he's tried the last two years to go. Like he, he's, He's basically been begging for a job. He wanted the Minnesota job really badly a couple years ago. He thought he had the Vegas job, and both times the franchise was just like, nah, we're going to go in a different direction. So, like, A, does Harbaugh move the needle for you as an NFL fan? And B, like, I mean, do you think it happens? Do you think we've seen the last of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan? I will answer that in one second because I want to follow up on something you said. Okay. Um, because, again, I told you I hear from people up in the Midwest, and you were right that it was not that long ago, a couple seasons ago, there was chatter about him not keeping his job. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty amazing about-face that's happened, really. And it wasn't like he was doing a horrible job. It was just they he wasn't winning enough, you know. And um, so, again, he, he has – he has absolutely closed the circle, and the, the the war drums were beating loudly for him, too. I mean, it was uh, it's very interesting to see. And, of course, all those fans now are probably like, oh, we knew it all along, you know, how that goes. So that always happens. But back to the uh, NFL Thank question. God it wasn't Les Miles. Thank God Les Miles <laughs> didn't take the job. Yeah. Um, back to your NFL question. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what team would be the right fit for him right now that have available jobs. I mean, there could be more, obviously, but uh, in the next couple of days we'll learn more. But, you know, everybody, of course, gravitates towards that Chargers job because you have a franchise quarterback. And, you know, if I'm Harbaugh, that would be attractive. He coached his first coaching job was at University of San Diego, actually. So he's, you know, he's spent time on the West Coast, obviously, then with San Francisco. Um, so he uh, – you know, I, I could see him being interested in a job like that. I don't know about the Bears. The Bears are run by Kevin Warren, who used to run the Big Ten, and there's been some discord between those two. Um, I, I also think Eberflus is probably going to keep his job. That's what I think, with, too. With the way they kind of rallied. Now, whether or not Justin Fields keeps the job, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think Chicago does seem like, you know, Big Ten country, obviously. It does seem like, you know, something that fits Jim Harbaugh. He but, played for the Bears, too. Yeah, yeah. But, um some of these other franchise I mean I got to say even with you know if Belichick leaves how attractive is that New England job I mean I think it's the one of the ugliest jobs in the NFL like I mean I, yeah. I I would say like if I'm power ranking openings in terms of who's the worst Carolina's number 1 yeah because I think that they have you know kind of overtaken the New York Knicks and the the Washington Commanders as having the worst ownership situation cuz they literally had their owner throwing drinks on fans at their last home game. Like that's something that happened. He, he took a drink and threw it at a fan because of how disgusted he was at the the trash talk he was receiving, and then he got fined, I think, three hundred thousand dollars for it. it. Was just his apology was basically like, "Yeah, I'm passionate. I'm a passionate person. Sometimes I let my emotions get the best of me." So that's the worst one. But outside of that, like New England, to me, probably the second worst. Now. 
They do have a top pick, so maybe you know if you if you pr- told me they got a franchise quarterback, maybe that changes. But they got no, they got nothing on offense, absolutely nothing on offense. Which maybe Harbaugh sees that as like, hey, I can go and kind of build it my image. And like they, they did give Bill Belichick total control. Maybe I get the same type of thing. But uh, yeah, like when you combine that with following the greatest coach of all time in the NFL, or at least the greatest coach yeah. of this generation. You never want to be the guy following that guy, and that that seems like a very unattractive situation to me. I think Washington's kind of a sneaky good job. Yeah, uh, there's some talent there. They got to figure out the quarterback situation, but there's some tools there. And new ownership seems committed to turning the page and really getting past all the Daniel Snyder crap. So, see, that's the situation you want to be in. You, right. you don't want to be the guy following Belichick, right? But you want to be the owner that's following. Daniel Snyder. You yeah. you want that honeymoon phase that can last a long time and with that, you know, you get to follow Ron Rivera who sucked and like that whole era just put it beside you and that that has been rumored to be a destination for maybe Belichick or or maybe Vrabel, which makes me think that Washington is willing to go out and make a splash. So yeah, if they called Jim Harbaugh that one, I think I would be interested in listening in, despite you know them maybe not having the, the most talented roster just yet. But like you said, the ownership there is in a perfect situation to succeed. And they got money, and they want to be good and spend money and win championships. And you know, maybe a little distracted by the Philadelphia 76ers, who he also owns, but also is rolling. So like it does seem like right. Josh Harris knows what he's doing. True. Um, and speaking of all this, it's not an opening yet, but – what are you thinking as a Titans fan about the the silence on the Vrabel front? Well, we'll stick on topic with that for now. I'll just I'll just ask Sam if if Vrabel moves on, would you like Jim Harbaugh? Would that get you excited? Because he does fit the hard nose mentality. I know their time never overlapped. You know, Rand Carthen wasn't with the 49ers when Jim Harbaugh was with the 49ers, but they both have 49ers DNA, and of course, Rand Carthen is trying to build a 49ers type of roster. Would Jim Harbaugh get you excited if he was like, hey, I really like this Will Levis guy, Big Ten quarterback, my type of guy? That's an interesting one. I haven't thought about that. Uh, I think, you know, just kind of on me on my initial thought, I think that would kind of fire me up because I think if you're, you know, if you're trading Vrabel away, I, I think it's obviously a risk just kind of given the fact that he's he's a proven head coach in the NFL already. And so I think – you know, I think, well, I, think Vrabel, feel, I think Vrabel wants gone. Like, I think he does too. I think Vrabel wants gone. We could talk some, you know, NFL and the Black Monday, and now like, kind of looking at the Vrabel and Belichick stuff. So we can talk about that in an hour too, maybe. But like when Bob asked me about the silence, the, the silence to me says that you know Vrabel wants out. Like, yeah. There's too much smoke. Diana Rossini's reporting it, and she's got a pretty direct line to Mike Vrabel. So if she's saying it, it makes me think that Vrabel's telling her directly, and everything he is saying is trying to paint the Titans and Rand Carthen in a bad light and make it seem like, oh, I want to be here, but they just don't want me. But to me, that is him covering up the fact that he wants to go somewhere else. Getting a guy like Harbaugh, I think, would be pretty solid because I think, you you know, you get a guy who's obviously got experience as, a, as an NFL head coach before. I mean, I think... Went to a Super Bowl. Right. I think, obviously, the risk of, of sending Vrabel off would be, you know, the, the, the dread of not being able to find a coach in the NFL. It's one of the hardest things to do, you know, besides finding your franchise quarterback and I think you know the Tennessee Titans think they've kind of got that guy in Will Levis so it would be tough to you know to kind of part from what you think you've got and where you've got a a good coach and a good quarterback now but I think that if you 
if you slid a guy like Harbaugh in there, I think you would still feel pretty fine. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think the feeling, I think you're right, John, I think the feeling is that, that Vrabel kind of wants out of Tennessee and that that New England job seems pretty attractive to him. So I think if, if the Titans can kind of get the right compensation for him in, the, in, in terms of draft picks, I think you should definitely probably consider it. Bob, to answer your question, I'll take Harbaugh in Nashville simply because I want to be able to say, who's got it better than us? <laughs> Nobody. You heard that whole story last night, right? Where oh, I mean, they emanated with his dad. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've heard that as the, I, I knew that was their catchphrase the last like ten years. Yeah. They've talked about that for a decade, right? And a shout out to the genetics on Big Harbaugh because Jim looks just like Doesn't him, he? exactly yeah. like spinning him. image. But yeah, no, I, I do love the who's got it better than us. Nobody. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, I. Uh, and it's, nobody does have it better than them right now. Yeah. The Harbaugh brothers are coaching at the top of their profession. They're champions. And and, and did you see extended family? On, I saw it on social media. <laughs> you know, Tom Crean's their brother-in-law, and he, yeah. he was there. And that, that guy's just – he is the king of odd facial yeah. expressions oh, yeah. all the time. And But then when he does TV as a TV analyst, I'm getting off topic, but he's actually quite good uh, as, a, as a TV analyst, but he's a freak as a oh, human being and a coach. Do you think they let him join in on the who's got it better than us? <laughs> Nobody. Or do you think they look at him like, hey, you got fired a couple times. Yeah. And like, really, with if you remove Dwayne Wade from your career – yeah, you don't really have much to to sit at the table with, so uh, you you can't join in on the who's got it better than us. They're worse than um, during his tenure. They hung Sweet Sixteen banners. They were as bad as anything that people point to Tennessee basketball. You know, like Kentucky fans do or whatever. They uh, they did the same thing. So Crean has a little bit of that Butch Jones in him in that regard. Also, the Indianapolis Colts who put up AFC finalist banners. Okay, so like let's <laughs> let's let's maybe not throw stones at at the Vols whenever the, your Colts have a AFC finalist banner okay <laughs> oh, good point fair. thank you that's fair couple questions on the way out jim harbaugh has he coached his last game at michigan bob yes or no i believe yes at any point last night did you stop and think man i really wish alabama just would have beaten michigan yes or no absolutely no yeah. no okay no because it was a part of me as like you know What's one more title for Nick Saban? Like, maybe he just retires if he wins, which I did say that for, like, Nick Saban's, like, last three championships. Like, hey, this will be the one. Maybe he'll just ride off into the sunset. But, like, there was a part of me that's like, man, Michigan, again, the Big Ten smugness. I was just like, I don't I don't want them to have this. I don't want the conference as a whole to have this. I am not an SEC pride guy, but it's like – you're yeah. now dealing with another national power. And, like, you know, I don't know how many times Tennessee is going to go head-to-head with Michigan. It's happened a couple times in, in recruiting over the last, you know, couple years. But still, there's a part of me that's like, what, what would one more have been for Alabama? As much as I don't like Michigan, I'm a guy who, unless it's my team that I'm rooting for, if a team gets too good, I start rooting against them. Sure. I'm that way against, like, Golden State in the NBA. Um, definitely Alabama in football. I've just I'm over it, and and I I I would if I had to choose again. Well, last week in the Rose Bowl, I was as much as I don't like Michigan. I was happy Michigan won. Okay, see, I was kind of rooting for Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Then I was like, I'll, I'll root for Texas or or Washington in the national championship. But I was kind of like, I'm over the Michigan stuff. It wasn't like a full fledged rooting and. Maybe it was more, I don't know, I wanted to see Milrow maybe cover the spread. I don't know. But, like, I was like, ah, you know, I'd like to see 
there was a part last night I was like, I just want to see Alabama, uh, I want to see Michigan lose, and Washington couldn't do it. So maybe maybe this wouldn't have been so bad if it was Alabama. And then I was like, okay, snap out of it. You're sleep deprived. You're sleep deprived. Well, the season is over, 2024. Uh, the championship is in the books. The 2024 season, only like what 220 days away. It's time for way too early top 25s. We'll dive into the projection that people are making now, even before rosters are set. Coming up after the break, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. The 2023 season officially over. It's time now to look ahead. College football is changing. That was kind of the last. I don't even call it a modern year because it was even a little unique and not really the way you remember college football, but it was kind of the last gasp of any type of normalcy as you now head to the Pac-12 being officially dead. RIP to them. Bad way to go out, I guess. I didn't really think about that last night. Was That's the last we'll ever see of the Pac-12 was Washington just getting dominated or not even getting dominated, just being so close yet so far. I don't I don't know. They 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 had the ball plenty of times down 7. It's like go tie the game. You're supposed to be an offensive team, go tie the game and then they hit the deep pass. It's a holding or whatever. It's just so close yet no cigar still so far. The Pac-12 is dead. The Big 10 now has West Coast teams. The SEC now has Texas and Oklahoma and the playoff is now six, you know, 12 teams. So we're in a new age of college football, Bob. Yeah, if I can take a second to pour a 40 on the Pac-12, and I only do this because I spent time out on the West Coast, lived there for about seven years, and um, I grew pretty accustomed to watching, you know, well, Pac-10, Pac-12 sports. Um, loved the time difference to be able to watch those games that were in prime time that would be late games on the East Coast. Um, I, I, I had I had a bit of an affinity for that for that conference because of that. And, um, you know, they won some titles, obviously, in football, in basketball. Conference they, of champions. Yeah, a little, that's a little overblown. But, but yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they won, you know, obviously SC and, you know, Washington shared it, a national title back before they were, you know, when they were just working it off the poles. And, um, and then basketball, you know, UCLA and Arizona won titles. Um, so it's it's kind of – it was kind of – sad for me to watch it it really was uh i i just it pains me how everything just kind of that conference they have no one to blame but themselves they pretty much wrecked whatever future they had on their own but uh but yeah i'll miss it in that regard let the pac-12 be a warning sign to any conference that tries to take academics seriously in the future how about that true did you encounter very many like diehard Pac-12 fans? Like, were there were there diehards out there on the West Coast? Oh, like, absolutely. That really, yeah, and it's it's probably maybe as you could imagine, the USC fans were ab- just snobby as hell, and um, you know, and that was what was always interesting—the whole dichotomy of the LA schools because UCLA was the state school, but they were in the one of the most posh areas of West Los Angeles in Brentwood and in Westwood. And um, and then USC was the private school, and they were downtown in a, in an area that was rough, you know. And um, but yeah, they uh, there were definitely definitely in Southern California very hardcore Pac-12 fans. Um, 
And I also see them from uh, from Oregon too, out yeah. of out of the blue. I mean, uh, the, yeah, there'd be a lot of that. Well, I guess that's why the Big Ten went and got both Oregon and USC. They're like, hey, we'll bring you in. Yep, we'll bring you in. And now it's you know officially ESPN versus Fox, the SEC versus the Big Ten. That is the new age of college football. When you look at the ESPN's at least version of the way too early top twenty five. You do have three SEC teams in the top four. Oregon, the one Big Ten school, which seems dumb, that breaks up the party. Going through their top 25, they think Georgia's going to be back. Georgia's still going to be the best. Texas, the the hype machine is officially going to be rolling for Texas. They made the playoffs, of course, this year. And people think they're going to just kind of keep it rolling. The Longhorns are back. Go ahead and make your jokes. Oregon, Alabama, and Ohio State. That is the top five for 2025. Anything that stand out to you or anything that surprises you? Oregon being the number three team caught me by surprise a little bit. but Yeah, um, well, we talked a little about it with Michigan, too. I just think, you know... Um, did, uh, and I apologize. Did you say Michigan was in the? In They're not in the top five. They're number six. Good. Okay. Well, because I th- I feel like they've they've lost a lot um, from that team from last night. So and they may be losing their head coach. So yeah, like Michigan might be taking a step back, but it was all worth it if you are in the old maize and blue. Yes. yes. Oregon coming in and winning the Big Ten in year one would be kind of funny. Could happen. Um, I don't, yeah, that, I don't know how I feel about that, too. I mean, or, I, I, I don't dislike Oregon. I'm kind of ambivalent toward them. I don't, I don't have any feeling toward Oregon, but that would be interesting if they could come in and knock that out right off the bat. Some co- big college football news in the middle of the night slash this morning. Uh, Sammy told me Ole Miss running back Junkins is headed to Ohio State. Is that right? Yeah, Quinshawn Junkins uh, committed to Ohio State last night. That's a big commitment for them. You know, they obviously have have lost to Michigan now three years in a row, and, you know, it feels kind of like Ryan Day is in that situation that Michigan fans were putting Harbaugh in a couple years ago, you know, questioning his job and everything. Uh, But I just want to go on record. I got way more confidence, and even then had more confidence in Jim Harbaugh, who I've seen be a good coach. I don't know if Ryan Day is actually a good coach. I I think Ryan Day is a – a guy that is in a elite, elite job that was just kind of in the right place at the right time, and I don't know if he is good enough for, for that position. I think Brian Hartline's keeping his job right now, probably, with the recruiting that he's doing over there at Ohio State. But, yeah, they've Every hit the portal pretty hard. Have, and yeah. yeah, Will Howard coming in to play quarterback for him, and then, yeah, adding a, a big-time SEC running back. So a, a little bit of an influx of talent there for Ohio State, who, of course, is going to have a, a really talented roster uh, the next SEC school up is Ole Miss coming in at number seven. I saw them as high as like number three in somebody's rankings. So the hype for Ole Miss, even as they're trying to figure out their roster, is uh, still off the charts. Scrolling, scrolling. Did you see uh, Tamarian McDonald Washington. flipped? Yeah. Was that officially announced that he went to Louisville? Or Yep. Okay, so he's following Wesley Walker, I'm assuming. Yeah, and there's also talks that uh, Tyler, Tyler Barron's going into there too. So I, yeah. I don't know if Ole Miss just pulled a fast one on people. Because it seemed like Ole Miss got a lot of these guys to like come, and then at Ole Miss are making them sign these like basically these forms that are saying this they're the only SEC school they could talk to. Because hmm. that's what happened, you know, with Diego Pounds. Like he basically 
hadn't announced he's going to Ole Miss, but it got reported like, yeah, he signed the SEC paper, so he could still go somewhere else, but not in the SEC. So, like, you know, Ole Miss brought these guys in from Tennessee, and then, like, maybe I, did they get recruited over already, too? Like, did the NIL money, like, hey, actually, we're going to pay offensive linemen instead of defensive secondary guys that aren't maybe that good or, or Tyler Barron. We're not going to give you the million dollars you're asking for. But, hey, Louisville, Louisville will do it. So, like, maybe all three Tennessee defensive guys are going to end up at Louisville just up the road. Scrolling, I'm at 13, Utah, 14, LSU, SEC school, Oklahoma at 15. Where am I? 17th? Yeah. 17th. That's where Tennessee comes in, Bob, in the way too early top 25. Yeah, I'm looking at the CBS one just to counter, and they've got a, they've got Tennessee at 14. On that Always one. been a CBS guy. Yeah. What's what's interesting there is uh, their top five: Georgia number one, Alabama two, Michigan three. Which I again, I think that's boy, I think that's high. Oregon four, Ole Miss five, ahead of Ohio State and Texas. So yeah, the Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to be a team that's talked about in the playoff, and I guess I'll shrug my shoulders like, okay, like, as far as I remember, Lane Kiffin's won one game in his entire coaching career of substance, and that was when they kicked Oregon's ass, you know, back in the uh, the sanction year when Oregon came in, ranked so highly, and, like, USC really put it on them. Outside of that, I feel like every time Ole Miss has had a chance to really make a statement, they just kind of lose. They just kind of lose. And, and now I'm supposed to, supposed to think that they're going to all of a sudden get it together and Kiffin's going to be that guy. I'll believe it when I see it. Both of those two early top 25s, both CBS and ESPN, have Missouri at eight. That's another one. Like, yeah. it was a nice year. Uh, you know, like the Missouri of, of 2023, obviously not that different than Tennessee of 2022. I guess the difference of Missouri 24 versus uh, Tennessee 23 was that you know, they're going to keep their quarterback in place for the year. So maybe maybe Missouri keeps it rolling, but I, I, that's another one. Like It's one thing to kind of sneak up and do it. It's another to kind of be hunted and have that hype all year. Do you think Eli Drinkwitz can coach a top-10 team? I don't like him, but I think he's, I think he's capable. Okay. I think he's capable. As much as it pains me to say that, um, I like calling him the Nard Dog. He reminds me of uh, Ed Helms from The Office. Kind of has that look. He's that, and he's also the guy from Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, what, what was the, oh, uh, yeah. the the little goofy one? That oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's got, good. That's he's got both better. of those kind of combined. But no, I like Drinkwitz as a as a character. I yeah. do like that he's trying to be the modern day Steve Spurrier, like. You can argue about whether or not he could be that at Missouri, but he's doing his best, and he's trying to, you know, mix up Steve Spurrier with late 2000s Lane Kiffin and kind of be brash and say things that people won't say. And he had the Ohio State line about, you know, them stealing signs and how he had to go get on the phone to, with Connor Stallions and all that, taking shots at Michigan and all that. But, like, I'll, I'll believe that they can handle the hype and be a legitimate playoff team when it actually happens. Like, I'd rather be in Tennessee's position at 17. That's how I feel. Maybe that's me being a homer. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm too negative to people. I don't know. But, like, if you're asking me who's going to be better in 2024, give me Tennessee over Missouri. Tennessee comes in at number 17 on ESPN. And, Bob, you said number 14. On CBS, On yeah. CBS. Yes. Too high, too low, just right, in your opinion? 
Um, I think it's. I think fourteen is just right. Maybe even even. I'm probably a little uh, intoxicated with Nico, but I, I could argue maybe even a little too low. Yeah. Sam, too high, too low, just right for you. No, we'll, we'll go with number fourteen. We'll do what the recruiting people do and just go with the highest star. Right okay. Um, I think it's just about right. To be yeah. honest with you, I'm looking at this poll here. I think. It's got Oklahoma at 11. Like, to me, that's two teams with freshman quarterbacks coming in. Like, I think you could probably swap Tennessee to 11 at that point. Uh, but I think they're pretty pretty fairly rated, and I think you got to feel pretty good about kind of being a little bit under the radar but still being respected coming into the year. So when you look um, on CBS, they got Utah, LSU, Oklahoma, Arizona, Notre Dame, and Missouri kind of as the teams right ahead of you. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, Missouri probably deserves to be ranked there. Notre Dame. Missouri's got a lot of talent returning for as as much as I hate Drinkwitz antics and everything. He is recruiting his ass off over there. Arizona was really, really good this year. Yeah. Jed Fish, really good. Quarterback coming back. Top wide receiver coming back. Yeah, I mean, going to the Big 12. Oklahoma, like that – I think Tennessee, Oklahoma, like, I guess this is saying that Tennessee should lose to Oklahoma. That's not how I feel heading into this mm-hmm. season. Like, I look at that and say Tennessee has a big chance to make a statement, I guess, with the top 10-ish win against Oklahoma. But, yeah, okay, 14, I have no issue with it. Like, Utah, Winningham being as consistent as he is, and I guess maybe Cam Rising will officially be healthy finally. Maybe he'll finally get cleared because I remember – Going back to week one of this year, them talking about, well, he might play against Florida. Well, he might not. And then week two, okay, maybe, maybe not. And then didn't play it all this year. But now they're saying he uh, is good to go. So, yeah, I guess Utah can be ranked ahead of Tennessee, too. I'm, I'm good with 14. I'm good with 14, Bob. Yeah, and when I said maybe even a little higher, it's like literally a couple notches. I mean, I'm not so drunk to think that they're like a top seven or eight team, but – I think they. Uh, you're right. All those teams right in front of them that could shift back and forth pretty easily. You the transfer just, portal could change the you know yeah. the prospects of a couple of these teams too. Like I said about you know Ole Miss earlier, the roster's not set yet. Like you know they're still in flux. Tennessee. If you add a couple of offensive linemen, you're obviously going to feel a little bit better about Tennessee's prospects. It's true. I was just thinking when you were talking about Cam Rising, who's gotten. <laughs> Had so many years of eligibility. I just saw there was a quarterback, and it, it escapes me right now. I think I want to say maybe it's maybe it's the guy that was at Texas Tech, Bowman. Is he now at Oklahoma State, maybe or something? I don't that know. was it. It was Oklahoma State's yeah, quarterback. Yeah, seven seventh year of eligibility. Seventh year of eligibility. My I brother, mean. please go get your CDLs. Yeah. <laughs> or UPS is hiring. Like yeah. you could go there and work and have a good life and raise a family. Like. Give it up. Your seventh year of college football, you don't need to be doing that. Hour one is wrapping up here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Again, I feel a little weird at 7.57 telling you to drink White Claw. But when you get off the clock today, drink some White Claw. I guess maybe some third shift people. Do you think they have a drink at 7 a.m. to kind of wind down? (laughs) Maybe they do. (laughs) Only 100 calories. Ditch the beer belly bloat. White Claw has held us down here at the Fan Run office for a long long time they're a great sponsor for us we appreciate cherokee distributing for their support when you do drink please drink responsibly but also drink white claw hard seltzer or white claw premium vodka hour one is over hour two is kicking off we'll uh, catch up to speed on some things from the night before 
Stick with us. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.